Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you've always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James. What's up? I kind of threw threw us into the deep end there. I was like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot less uh, preamble prior to starting this episode, but that's good because uh, we have a busy individual also on this show today, and that is one Maddie Key. Hello, Maddie. I'm tired. Jesus Christ, I am tired, boys. Um, Jim tried to warn me about it beforehand. I was like, no, I'll be fine. I'm fucking tired. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) So um, before we dive into exactly why Maddie's tired, we want to talk about what is on this episode today. We're going to talk about NFL Week 18. The NFL playoffs is among us, gentlemen. The Canadian World Juniors managed to take home gold for the second consecutive year, although it's technically the second consecutive gold in the past five months, nevertheless. And on our uh, wrestling topic, we're going to talk about the biggest story in the industry, and that is one Vincent Kennedy McMahon finding his way back into the fold of WWE. All that and a whole lot more coming up today on 43.6, which of course is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we will talk a bit more about later. But first... Let's get into what's been going on in our lives in the past week, and nothing quite compares to what Maddie has been going through. Is the reason why Maddie hasn't, or I should say, was not on the show last week. There's a very good reason for that, and I think it's time for Maddie to spill the beans if he so chooses. I suppose. Yeah. No. So, like, I guess we birthed a child. Well, by we, I mean my wife birthed a child into this world. Um. Yeah, January 1st. It was it was fucked because like it was supposed to come on the 7th. So we were all prepping and everyone says, oh, the first never really, you know, they're kind of either late or, you know, maybe a day or two early. And yeah, it was like it was New Year's Eve. We did like Happy New Year, 1230. And like, all right, I'm going to bed. I'm over this shit. (laughs) Like, I'm over New Year's. We had this discussion going into it. So then, yeah, and then 330 in the morning, I'm waking up to like my leg getting smacked i'm like what do you want she's like my water broke and i'm like okay do you have contractions she's like no and i'm like i'm going back to sleep (laughs) it's like i don't know that's the right response is it (laughs) no it is because i have no idea so like i learned a lot on the go so your water can break but that kid may not come for two more days huh because it's just that's just what happens and it's the contractions are the real sign that you're like okay pre-labor you're getting ready you're like your body's getting ready and so that started at like six in the morning 6 30 in the morning we went to the hospital at like eight and they were like well you're so far apart we could like actually went to the hospital at like 10 and they were like you know we could induce you but obviously we try not to and unless if we don't have to um like unless you've been in pre-labor for too long and the kid's just not coming or like there's a you know, a health reason we want to do it, but they were like generally try to do it naturally. So they were like, yeah, go home and try and wait or we induce you. And I was like, eh, let's just not do the induction if we don't have to. So we, they were like, okay, if you're going to go home though, you got to wait like three hours because there's no point in just coming back within like half an hour. My wife's like, we're going back. And I'm like, you can't. She's like, I will fucking kill you. She's like, we're going back to the hospital. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay she's like no you know what i'll figure it out and she sat in the shower for like an hour and a half 
because it, it helped like the hot shower just helped relax and ease everything and then we went back and they're like uh at like 4 35 o'clock and they were like yeah like you're you're ready let's prep you um they did you know she was free freaking out just like angry like people are talking she's like everyone just stop talking and my wife's the most eternally patient person so seeing her like this was hilarious like i was giggling um as jim knows she's like the nicest most patient and whatever and she's like everyone just shut the fuck up <laughs> and like in the room second they did the epidural within like literally two and a half seconds she's like i feel she felt great <laughs> and she was like this is great and they were like just don't move because also something i learned the epidural is just liquid that's pumped through your body whatever if you move it shifts where the liquid is into your body so the painkiller and then all this shit can go like directly down to your legs or onto the wrong side and it's not evened out into where it needs to be so yeah she just kind of laid there and she's like I'm just happy because this is the first time I've like, because she's a back sleeper and she's like, this is the first time I've got to just lay on my back and relax in so long. <laughs> just you do you. And then two and a half, three hours later, kid popped out. So 1059 on New Year's Day. Just made it on New Year's Day. Yeah, she was happy. She was like, I do not want a December 31st baby. And I was like, why? She was like, I've done all my research. She's like, if this kid comes, after january 1st she was like they got like six more months development for sports they've got like eight months more development for school they've got all this and so she's like no that kid's coming on january 1st or later so she was happy oh i guess so like if when you're talking about school it, it start it goes january to january babies right it's not necessarily the year you're born yeah so like she will even though she's born uh 2023 january she'll go to school with all of the kids of right you know. i i said that wrong but yes we're, we're going we're doing the same thing here it, yeah. it does matter the year you're born but obviously the school year goes september through yeah. june or whatever so yeah. okay i understand yeah and then it's kind of the same thing for sports too because they kind of go you by age group like not initially but like as you get older into sports, it's like that's why like Austin Matthews couldn't be drafted the year Connor McDavid got drafted because his birthday was like two days past the cutoff. So because the cutoff's like September 15th of that year to be drafted. So he because he's September 17th, and I remember that because it's my dad's birthday as well. Um the, he got pushed into the next year's draft. <laughs> and the same thing with Bedard. Bedard's got like a birthday a couple days later. Or feel like a week later, so he could have been last year's draft, but yeah, weird how it works. So yeah, I had a kid, that's why I wasn't here. <laughs> I, I suppose that's a reasonable reason to miss the the episode last week. James, I thought you may have been missing that episode too, but considering we recorded on the second, and I suppose Lindsay would have still been in the hospital. We were. Like the, in the next day so i was like, okay well i suppose i have one of the brothers and we can <laughs> we can roll <laughs> along the better but, of the two anyway <laughs> but speaking of the better of the two brothers james what have you been up to the past week so dude i bought a i bought a meta quest too <laughs> i love the the, the comparison of like <laughs> my wife had a kid i bought a meta quest <laughs> his infinitely more enjoyable than mine <laughs> um 
me and, and uh, a mutual friend of, of all of ours, I guess. You, although you've never, I guess you, you might have met him in real life. I don't know. Uh, Discord. I think guy. I know who you're talking about, and I did buy a PS5 out of the trunk of his car. Oh yeah, you're right. He did. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Got the hookups. Uh, <laughs> um, we played uh, first round of golf last night. Played nine holes in Golf Plus, and dude, it's actually really cool. Um, the thing about MetaQuest is that. It does a like, and I mean, it. This seems like it should go unsaid, but it does a really good job of tricking you that you're there with the other people. Um, like we we hit the driving range first, and then I was like, "You want to go play some cornhole?" And like in the lounge area, so like you turn around, you play cornhole for a bit, and then we dicked around in the the golf. Um, it was like chip uh, beer pong, so you're like chipping back and forth. But then I cracked out my driver, and I was swinging them at his his uh avatar and he's like he's like i actually ducked in real life because it came right at my face so he's like whoa <laughs> which is pretty funny and then we played nine holes of uh of golf and it's cool because like i'll hit my shot and then i teleport to my shot and i look back and i see him at the tee and i wait for his shot and you watch the ball go over you it's it's fucking cool man and then like we're talking as if we were on the course like just like you know like about random shit as if we were just right there um you know, it's 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 really interesting, and I even talked today to someone at my my work today about like, wouldn't it be interesting if we were like, like an account we send an account like a MetaQuest, and be like, hey man, let's meet for nine and talk business. Like people should do that. Like why not? It's kind of neat, because it's a gift and a meeting at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, uh, it but it's really cool. I like it. Um, I don't. Like, I was kind of warned that we might put it down real quick and kind of let it collect dust, but I actually don't think I will because I find that it's easy to jump in and jump out um, without devoting too much time to it. And that's kind of like being a dad myself. Like, you don't have <laughs> these, like, endless hours of gaming to to just devote to, to sitting down and playing, like, God of War for 14 hours straight, right? So... Um, I kind of like that I can hop in and play nine holes of golf by myself in 30 minutes, um, which is really cool. And then today, okay, so nobody told me about this. Today I was watching uh, Games Done Quick, which is the charity video game stream on Twitch, and I saw this, like, account was, like, at the top of my recommended. I wasn't signed in, so it was just, like, a general thing. And I'm like, it's just, it's, like, some broad. And I'm like, okay, why is this broad super popular i click it and it's like one of those hot tub streams i'm like okay i get it but wait a second this broad was streaming for six hours and wasn't on camera like she just she just kept saying type one in the chat to move me closer to the camera and then like they, she would do it she's like okay guys and then she'd crack out this like street light it's like okay send green if you want me to move closer red if you want me to move off and like people would alternate between red and green and she'd just be like uh uh like not on camera and she'd be like okay we're really gonna do it guys gonna get in the get, get in the tub now we're gonna count down from five four and she did this for six hours and so like and then finally in the last 10 minutes of the stream like dude i didn't watch i kept leaving and coming back in the last 10 minutes of the stream, she got into the hot tub, did 14 squats, and signed off. What? Yes. She did 14 squats and then signed off. So I looked this up. Apparently, this is like a Twitch meta. Is yes, like uh, is. is the is the whole thing is the 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 build up, the the 
the back and forth of will she or won't she it was i'm like like four thousand fucking losers are just like for six yeah, hours four thousand and one apparently you're <laughs> no dude i was in and out i wasn't as committed as these people but part of it i think is the troll job and she's like okay this is the real time we're gonna and then she was like she's like five four three two and then she got to one then she's like she's like point nine point eight and like i was like this is stupid i think i think it's the mystery of what she looks like too like but you probably everyone knows people, because and like everyone yeah, in the chat already like, know if you if you, you follow dude, the channel you know who she looks everyone like. in well, the chat goes that day everyone yeah well everyone in the chat goes just go to her instagram <laughs> like, what, oh it's like, true but she has apparently like one point she has like millions of followers i don't, I don't even so, know who this broad is quick question what does this have to do with the meta quest that you're talking about i don't think it does nothing i just i saw this today and i was like uh, I, I dude, I even had a therapy session today, and I told my therapist, "I'm like, this is fucked, man." And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> he's like, even the therapist, was like, yeah, that's kind of fucked." <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> so, do you want to tell Dustin what happened when I tried your meta quest yesterday? Okay, so the I let bring us to my house, to my dad's house, so he can try it. This guy starts the golf, takes one swing, the controller takes right the fuck off, goes to the other side of the room, first swing. Wasn't wearing the Wii remote. No, wrist strap, definitely was, was not. No, which is, and this is how you know it's oddly like, you know you're in a digital immersive. World. Yeah, you know you're this. It's not real, but like your mind is like it's not real, but your mind's like, but it looks real. So like your oh, eyes no. tell you it looks real, but your head's trying to process that it's not real while everything feels real, because most video games like you have your screen, you still look and see around your room, you're good. With this, it's like you look around and it looks with you. Like I stood there and I'm looking around all the fucking like course and shit like that. And so my golf swing, naturally, my right hand is very loose on the club mm. for my drive. And so you only hold one controller, which is the right one. So I swung forward and just right across the room. And I was like, I freaked out. I was like, oh my God. So he's like, it's fine. These are built because they know this shit happens right like yeah. but like the dude yeah. full-on full-on happy gilmore like fucking right out of the hands i want like i wanted to try like the heights thing where you're like in between the buildings and you got to walk across the beam because you see videos of people freaking out with that shit or like i don't know there's a couple of like horror games like there's a ghost hunters game yeah that apparently is really fun that i know my wife would love like she would absolutely love and now I'm currently, like, if I could flip my camera, I'm currently, like, viewing one to potentially buy one because these fucking um, clowns. Guys, breaking news. Sorry. I know. I just got a text message. I'm like, yeah. oh, really? <laughs> Brandon Belt will be a Toronto Blue Jay tomorrow. Who, Megalol? What? Yeah, th that is literally the text I just got was branded belt question mark. I'm like, what? And I'm r rushing to Twitter to see what is happening right now. Um, we'll talk about this as the show goes on. I'm sure oh, we'll yeah. be able to uh, find some information in the meantime. But that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the whole th VR thing, I, I, I like the way I describe it to people is like a battle of your brain where you yeah. have the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain. And the left side of your brain is like the one that's telling you 
this is all a game and this is nonsense. But you are just fed constant like candy to your right side of your brain yeah. that it starts to like just take over the whole process. And, <laughs> and every so often, like you lose that left part of yourself that is telling you that isn't a real thing. So that's why it's like a horrible joke to go up to somebody and like push them from behind as they're well, like wearing one of these headsets. My big fear is like I've already looked for mods for like Final Fantasy and I showed Jim one that someone built a Final Fantasy 14 mod, which is the MMO that I play for VR. And that might be the one selling point for me because like, could you like these fantasy worlds that you build that you like, you play as your character, you're running through. But the fact that I can put my headset on and walk through these cities or these forests or these dungeons and shit like that and be able to like look around and feel like I'm actually there. Like, bruh, that's that's yeah, something that would sell it on me. It's and a level VR of immersion that like you can't. And it's one of our other buddies says like VR is just not quite there yet. And I kind of agree. I mean, there's a, like a little bit left to be desired, but they're not far. Like, I mean, it's not always crystal clear 100% of your vision, but it's enough. It's not sword art yet. <laughs> yeah, it's enough to get you lost. And it's kind of neat from that perspective. It's definitely not a gimmick, but it's definitely not perfect. Um, it's better like the than games, 3D. The games are fun. The, yeah, Beat Saber's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I haven't I haven't tried much else yet. I'm going to try the NFL Pro game. I think I'm going to buy it tonight. And, Yo, if you uh, get that, bring it, bring it to dads. I want to try that for sure because that may sell me on it too. Right. So, and then there's a basketball game and stuff, and like that, like that thing's that thing is carbon created for things like tennis, um, yep. and stuff. Like that would be awesome. Baseball should be on that. Like roller coaster tycoon or some shit. Like yeah, I need that stuff. And, yeah, but like you know, and even, yo, even from the perspective, VR. yeah, and even from the perspective, of just sitting there chilling, watching like YouTube or twitch or browse like you can browse like you can do anything with it so um like the versatility is is kind of undersung i think um but yeah it's a, it's actually really fucking cool i like it your turn dustin well unlike you guys i don't have children so my weekend you have money or week <laughs> Well, yeah. sort of. <laughs> um, I, I played a lot of God of War this week. I shouldn't even say a lot. A lot you know compared to... I just went, I don't have 14 hours to play God of War. Dustin's like, I don't have kids. I play God of War. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, <laughs> um, I haven't actually played a lot of that game. Like, I got it when it first came out, and I played a bit of it, and I don't want to give any of it away. Don't, because I'm near the end. Well, I'm not even close to the end. Like, I, yeah. I just got to Vanheim, I think it is, or Valheim, or whatever the fuck. Vanheim. So, Vanaheim. That's where I just got for the first time. And I, I say first time because I assume all these realms you come back to at some point. So yeah, like, you get you get something that unlocks like secret stuff and yeah. And the and the first game was like that too. Like you had the ability to like travel between these realms all the time. So I am at that realm for the first time and there's a couple things that bother me about this game. Uh here we go. I wish Okay, so I appreciate that when I open the menu it tells me here's all the collectibles in the area. It says like there's this many legendary chests and this many Norris chests and this many ravens and blah 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 blah. List all the collectibles out for you. But you'll be going through and like I went through this whole fucking place and there was no goddamn raven. Like I guarantee you there was no raven. And then I looked it up on YouTube and it was like oh no it's it's when you come back to Vanheim later like you'll find it. Like well that's 
don't show me in the collectibles list that there's a raven here if i can't actually find the raven right now but if you know like, you're gonna be coming back you can make the assumption like it's probably when i'm coming back well no all they have to do is just not list the raven on there until when i come back and then it says zero of one ravens i mean i kind of just like i i looked at that and i was like where the hell is this thing and then I did that, and then I just started saying, oh, it's probably when I come back to all these other places. <laughs> it wouldn't be that big of a deal if the if going back and doing it later wasn't as difficult as it's going to be. Because if, if you... Okay, so if it actually was there, and I missed it, having to go back and get it is be such a pain in the ass. To go to, like, some... You're not having to go back though. Like I can't give shit away. No, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I know it's like it's it's going to be when I come back later in the story. I get yeah. that. But I'm saying I finish the the story of the game, and then you go cleaning up all your collectibles that you've missed. Going and having to do that cleanup is what I don't want to have to do. Trophy and so hunters, man. it's, and that's the thing. Like I want to do it because it's fun to a certain extent, but. There's that balance with like those platinum trophies and all that shit where it's there's the collectible in, like collectible thing in your brain that you want to satisfy. The completionist, like, yeah. The completionist factor, right? Like you want to do it, but if it gets to a point where it's way too much work and it's not fun anymore, like there, there's a balance there somewhere where you want to be. And I feel like God of War is finding its way on the side of this is shit I don't even want to fucking do. Well, then mm. you can't call yourself a God of War if you don't do it. So I do I don't, it or you're not. I, I don't plan to. Also, I hate that fucking kid. You know what? I loved Atreus in the first game, and now I think he's a shithead. So that's part of the reason why I haven't spent a lot of time playing that game, and I've kind of been slogging through it. It's a good game. Don't get me wrong. I just don't connect with the story like I did the first one. But on the flip side, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon where I don't even read the fucking story. I just skip through everything. I just want to play the game. And man, I've been playing a shitload of Pokemon. I have like 200-something Pokemon caught, almost 300 seen slash battled. I've been trading with my nephew to get all the ones from the other game. <laughs> I've been evolving all my Pokemon. I just evolved my Riolu or whatever the fuck to a Lucario. It's a good time. Did you get Bisharp's um, new King's Gambit, the final one for Bisharp? I don't think so. I only have a Bisharp. Oh, I didn't know okay. he. I didn't know he. Bisharp evolved. I will have he, to look into that later today. It's a new one. It's kind of a mission. You have to be like level fifty for your Pokemon to be able to do it. Oh, another thing. Oh, here um, <laughs> so in, in Pokemon, I was you, okay. So Maddie, you've played this one, obviously, yes. Violet and Scarlet. Okay, so there's the mystery trade thing. Have you tried this before? Yes. Have you ever got anything good out of a mystery trade? Uh, yeah, you can, there's a way to finagle it so you can get what you want out of it. What? How? It's, it's really, so in the previous games, you had to like tag certain things that you're like, it was, a, it, it was in Sun and Moon that you, I did it. Um, but yeah, like, that's how a lot of people get the other starters. Well, speaking of which. How many Fue Cocos did you get doing Mystery Train? I didn't get any Fue Cocos doing this. Actually, what we did with... I did get a Fue Coco by trading my nephew for Dittos. And he breeded his, like, Skelda Ridge yeah. or whatever the fuck with a Ditto, got a Fue Coco, and then sent that to me. And I did the same thing, and I sent him a Quaxley. What I did end up getting, though, similar along those lines, I just found, like, a wild Meowth, like a 30, level 32 Meowth, and sent that in the mystery trade. 
And on the other side, I got a level one score bunny. It's like, huh? Mm-hmm. I I didn't know this Pokemon was in the game, and they're not. Uh, score bunny was like a a raid special for like a day yeah. from December thirtieth to thirty first or whatever. And I guess they got the final evolution thing and then made a whole bunch of ditto versions and got a whole bunch of eggs and for whatever reason gave them out of mystery uh, trades. So thank you. Uh, Doing the Lord's work. Japanese character man. I don't know your name because it's all Japanese characters, but thank Actually, you. To, or or, or woman. Careful, uh, might be hacked. I mean, I don't know how you could hack it. Like, what's it going to do? <laughs> this is the nerdiest conversation. <laughs> the score bunny egg from a Japanese guy might be hacked. <laughs> like, no, like, so they, if they, they, if they hack the game and if you go online and like, say you battle somebody online with it, you could crash your game if they like, if they just hack their version to get it. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't plan on battling anyone online and I wouldn't use that Pokemon for it anyways. Oddly enough, it's not in my Pokedex. So that seems kind of sketch. Mm-hmm. But in any event, we must move on. And and so do you want to start with Brandon Belt? I think we need to start with that. Sure. So as of right now, the only thing that I can see on Twitter, I mean, it's from at least the one I see is from Tim and Sid or Tim and friends. Excuse me. Not Tim and Sid anymore. 9.3 mil. Oh, there it is. It actually gave a source. I appreciate that giving a source. Susan Sluicer. That Remember sounds Susan? like a made up name. Uh, whoever Susan Sluicer is. Uh, San Francisco a, Chronicle. Uh, right, a beat writer for San Francisco Chronicle. So that's where the news is breaking from. There's also Caitlin McGrath, who is a staff writer for Athletic, uh, The Athletic, excuse me, and uh, mostly for Toronto Blue Jays. So there's that. So there are a couple of credible sources, um, both of which have a blue check mark, but you know you can pay for those now, so who knows. But I would tend to believe a beat reporter and a reporter from The Athletic. These aren't like J-Brones from Unknown Apple. <laughs> I don't know what much about the publication that Susan works for, but the fact that they are crediting themselves as a beat reporter for the Giants. I, I, I tend to believe these people who are suggesting that Brandon Belt has signed a one-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays, $9.3 million. I'm totally fine with this. And, you know, I said this a while ago of... Maybe not a while ago, but like when the Jays had landed Varsho, and I think we talked about, okay, what's next, and what do we want to see next with the Toronto Blue Jays? I, th- obviously, we've all been still clamoring for some extra pitching, and specifically bullpen help. I would still love to see a fifth starter. I don't think Kikuchi or Heisenberg is the answer, but I understand that's probably the way they're going. I assume they're done with starting pitching. So the other thing I was looking for was a bench left bat, and ideally a veteran bench left bat now my ideal person was gonna be joey Votto, and i knew that would have to come via trade and obviously we want Votto because he's an oakville guy and it just makes sense for him to finish his career in toronto that can still happen like obviously if belt is on a one-year deal there's still room for Votto to be a blue jay in 2024 if that's in case if that's in fact what they want to do but i think that's exactly where brandon belt ends up on this lineup he's a veteran left bat that can just sit on the bench and just be that guy that you need in a pinch to be a left-handed hitter he i mean he has played the outfield in his career i don't suggest he's going to play the outfield at any point this season i mean i guess he, they have there's like why would he Exactly. Well, he'll platoon. And I think he'll platoon. I don't. I don't even see him as a pl- platoon. Honestly, I do. I, I think I, they're this... not going to start. They're not going to start Kiermaier every single game. So I think I think he's going to rotate 
into, I think you can either Varsho or but, Springer will move to center, and this guy will move on the wings. The dude, right, but Kiermaier is a left bat as well. <laughs> it's no, not I like you're saying. I understand, but they're both they're both old as fuck. That's the thing. Like they're not going to play these thirty five year olds every day. Like right. So and dude, the guy had twenty nine home runs in twenty twenty one. Like the guy, I know. He's, he's not washed up. <laughs> and look at his career war. What's the career war? I haven't looked at his war, his career. I, I, I Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Twenty-seven points, twenty-seven point six. That's pretty good, right? This like I don't think this is just a, a guy on the bench. I think I think they are here to prevent runs. There was I saw a TikTok. I think it was another podcast, like Gate Fourteen or whatever they are. I don't know what the fuck they're called, but um, they showed the the um, runs prevented in and runs prevented out between the Jays' acquisitions and what they lost, dude. Like we we overestimate what Guriel and Teoscar brought to this team when they weren't at the plate. They were fucking garbage. <laughs> they were terrible. Oh, well, yeah, we talked absolute trash. Right, we talked about that on this show as well. Not just defensively, but also the bases they create when they're running the bases and how poor of base runners. If you compare them to the rest of the league, how poor of base runners that Guriel and her uh, Teoscar were. Um, I don't know what the numbers would be for Brandon Belt. I don't ever remember you know him being is? a good base runner. But you, you know the thing about Brandon Belt is, he's a winner. Yeah, yeah a two-time two World Series two. champion. Yep. Also, they're building legs. a team I, of winners. No, I see. I honestly, probably what's going to happen is you're going to see two, three days out of the week, Vladdy plays first, Belt plays the other days, and then DH is in between. Yeah, that's possible too. I mean, there's no like without Teo, there's no specific DH. I mean, you can rotate probably Springer, Kirk, and Belt, uh, and Jansen. And, yeah, into those DH spots. Right. So I see that most likely is Jansen won't be the DH. It would be Belt would be in the DH spot instead of Jansen. And then on days that Jansen catches, Vladdy's play or on. Days that Jansen's catching and Vladdy's DHing, Belt probably plays first. Or it, more simply, and you're, I think you're right. Uh, more simply, it would be on days where Jansen is catching, Belt just. Wait, hold on, I lost it now. <laughs> <laughs> Run that back again. I think there is there's a good point if you're Vladdy's, making. There, if Vladdy's, if basically no, if Vladdy's Jansen's DHing, catching, if Jansen's uh, catching, Vladdy's uh, DHing, Belt plays first. Well, what about Kirk then? I think that's the, the issue they're going to run into. And maybe it's a good problem to have. Kirk, Kirk's oh, yeah. going to be your bench guy where if you need, if someone comes in pinch with, hit. A, you know, with, for a pinch hit for a, you know, a left-handed pitcher coming in and you need that hit, you probably see. You, that's the other thing too is now who do you pull out of the lineup? It's easy to say, okay, Guriel, you're coming out. Kirk, you're going into pinch hit. Or, you know, Tapia, yeah, you started in the field, but we need a hit. You're coming out and Kirk you're pinch hitting now all the guys through the lineup are decent hitters and they're More. versatile like you're right these guys can play multiple positions you can move guys around and put them into different things as needed I think like they just like they're a Swiss army knife team now and I think that's a good thing like I mean even look like between Biggio Varsho um Belt I mean, Merrifield. to a lesser, sorry? Merrifield. Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield, yeah. like, these are all, like, basically utility guys. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think I think they're onto something here, and I think they're onto their run differential in terms of bases gained and uh, runs saved. Like I think they're onto something. I think I think the real plan is is where a lot of teams are when they get into certain positions. Yes, they have guys to fill in, but they're not ideal. But they're better suited than being a starter when you know as a bench guy you want them to come in. I think essentially what they're doing is saying that we want to make our bench as good or as close to a starting, you know, nine as possible. So, you know, if teams start really trying to pitch around Vladdy, pitch around Springer, pitch around Kirk, pitch around all these guys and Bichette, and they start throwing out these, you know, say pen guys specifically for them, you really can't afford to do that. Because all the guys they're going to throw out in the pinch, you know, in the pinch hitter spot are going to be able to hit. And, you know, and, and like I would expect to see Vladdy's RBIs this year climb astronomically because, I mean, these guys are like, like they hit for 25 to maybe 30, but like they're not the Teos and Guriel in terms of power and grand slams. Like this team is going to, uh, they should turn the lineup Their offense over. will be a grind. Yeah, they should turn the the batting order over significantly more this year. In terms, like I don't think this team will be three easy outs, um, but I don't think they'll be murderers row either. But I think that's why they're they're built like a championship team. Um, you're going to exhaust pitchers. Like this team will exhaust a lot of pitchers, which I think is really fucking cool. Yeah, I Belt also is going through some injuries and shit like that too. So that's why I don't see him playing field, to be honest. You know, maybe as a spot. I don't know, start. I don't see him playing the outfield at all. Like he, I well, think no. he'll play first base at the yeah. most. But I mean, but I, as a spot, you know, you need him to go in because someone's hurt or, you know, because of a pinch hitter situation, you need to rotate guys around. Then, yes, you might see him in the field for an inning or two, something like that. But I don't see him starting the field. I see him starting a lot of first base. I think it'll be, you know, like an 80-20 split with Vlad or maybe even a 25-75 split with Vlad, you know, at first base. Yeah, Belt, in uh, the amount of games he's played, like, out of curiosity, how many games has this guy played in his career? He's played about 1,300 games in his career. Um, almost 1,200 of those games have been at first base. So it's... I don't suspect he'll be playing any outfield at all. Um, and if he does, it'll be like a late game defensive replacement if they're like in a jam and mm-hmm. they have to move him out there. But I mean, in his career at first base, 99.4% fielding percentage. So <laughs> he's not a gold glove guy, but he's not going to hurt you defensively. But so, in the conversation for a gold glove, you know, like it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that his I, name would well, come up in one. I just don't think he's going to get ever. He's never going to get nominated time. just because he's not going to play enough there. Yeah. And I think that also leads into why he has such a great field, fielding percentage because he's not playing every day, at least at this point in his career. He's not playing every day in that position. Bro, but 9.3 million, though, to DH and play first maybe once every six days. I, I'd be happy with that. <laughs> like, I'd be very happy with that. You swing a bat three times a day. <laughs> That's your fucking job for 10 sheets. I'm in. Sign me up. Like, right. punk me in the head. Just all Roger Dorn that shit for ten million. I don't care. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, looking at Brandon Belt's like all his important information. That's the stuff we're looking for on this show. Is the important information. 
And the important information that I have found about Brandon Belt is his nicknames. Oh, God. He, and he has two of them. One, and I want to know what you think is the better nickname and what you should you should uh, put on the back of your player's jersey. Hoping that comes back this year. That was a fun day when they did the player's week and they had the, yeah. the guys put their nicknames on the back. The first nickname is Baby Giraffe. Not sure how that's supposed to sound. If it's like Brandon Baby Giraffe Belt or is it... Baby giraffe, Brandon Belt. That's something I always ask like wrestlers when like I have to go up to them. And be like if I don't know who they are, or whatever. Like, hey, so what's your name? Okay, cool. Like, uh, do you have a nickname or something? Like, do you want that like in the middle of your name or the before your name? Is that like Rick Wilding then, Vaughn or Wilding Rick Vaughn? Exactly. Or the second one, Bob. The Belter. Bob. Sorry, well, <laughs> I thought I was reading that wrong. I don't know if that's two. Or it says Bob or the captain. So maybe it's these are that's now his three nicknames. One's Bob. Maybe the captain is his nickname. See, they should have called like him the way Bob this the- is written. It says baby giraffe, comma, and then Bob or the captain. They should have called him so, Bob, the Bel- Bob the Belter. Bob, Bob the Belter is good. The Belter, can he hit? If his name was Bob. <laughs> Or Robert. No, this is based off Bob the Builder. It doesn't have to be. I understand, but still. Why can't he be Brandon the Builder? Bob the Builder is, eh? Because it's not, that's not a play on anything. Bob the Builder is not even, not even like popular anymore. Bob the Builder was popular when like my nephew, well, my oldest nephew was young. And he's now in his 20s. Okay. Nah, I can't kids think of anything. Watch, kids I can't don't watch Bob the Builder anymore. They watch... Like fucking Paw Patrol and and uh, Gabby's Peppa Dollhouse. Pig and all that stuff and Gabby's Dollhouse. That's what huge, the kids are watching now. Huge but Gabby's Dollhouse. Don't even start. My kid will never know something like Gabby's Dollhouse. Oh, yes, you say that will. now. Yeah, you wait. Will. No. You wait like two years no, you, from now. You know why? I see what my brother goes through with my niece. No, man, it's like, fun. Ah-ah. No, it's fun. You say that. Just wait till you they, they start watching it and all of a sudden they're quiet. And you're like, you know what? I'm okay with this. I'm okay with Bluey. I'm oh, Bluey's okay. just Dude, I was just screaming for If Gabby I didn't have Dollars. a kid, if I didn't have a kid and I was introduced to Bluey, I'd watch it high by myself. Bluey is the best show. Well, this, this one went, went off the road. I was talking about Pokemon and hacks and <laughs> Japanese guys and Bluey. I actually had another point to make on that, but I've forgotten what it is. So let's just move on to the NFL Week 18 recap. So actually, I think what we should we lead with with the NFL Week 18, I think it's what everyone has come here to, to hear us talk about, and that's the finals of our Survivor Pool. And I have uh, good news to say that the Jaguars, my pick, my boy TK, the Jaguars <laughs> over the Titans put me at 12. Ooh. Did you see that man celebrate? You see that man celebrate? I did like see that man celebrate. Run off the field and hugging players and shit. <laughs> lost <TK's>, his cell <laughs> TK is going to TK, man. Uh, and we should probably talk about TK in our next uh, segment. We talk about Vince McMahon, but because he had a pretty funny tweet. But nevertheless, TK's team, the Jags, won over the Titans, putting my total over the, for the full season at 12 wins, considering... There's 18 games. 12 wins is a pretty good number. I'm looking at my spreadsheet here, and there's a whole lot of green on my spreadsheet. And green equals money. Uh, James was wrong, of course. He picked the Chargers over the Broncos. And James's final score is now 8. And then, fortunately, for some reason, 
The Houston Texans did not want first pick in the draft. The Houston Texans found a way to beat the Indianapolis Colts, making Maddie's pick incorrect and keeping him at 12. Therefore, it is a tie for first place. Myself and Maddie with 12 and in sole possession of last place is James with eight. So how do we settle this? Well, I suppose we could settle it during the NFL playoffs. Because that is upon us, but we will get to that in a moment. I don't know if there's any games you guys really wanted to touch on. From I think, the, for me, the only game I really cared about going into Week 18 was the Titans and Jags. There's a lot to touch and, on. I mean, I think about where we were last week when we saw DeMar Hamlin like on the field in the middle of the podcast and then <clears throat> he was discharged today yeah, he was which is crazy like there's a guy who was who was had to be revived on the field Dead on the and field. yeah basically died on the field and was like discharged from hospital today like that's fucking crazy and then well and then, what's also crazy is the bills game against the patriots and two runbacks the opening, the opening kickoff ends up going all the way back to, for a touchdown. And supposedly, when that happened, like Hamlin set off like all these alarms in the, in the uh, whatever the hospital room the he was hospital. in. Like his heartbeat was going crazy, whatever. Like he's so super happy late. But like, and then <laughs> he they was ran Lou from Major League. Yeah, Lou. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then he, uh, then they ran back a punt return. Did they not for a touchdown? I didn't watch I, the game. I believe they ran I two was, back. Um. Which is crazy, and then, but, but like, what about the the Lions and the Packers game last night? It was the most incredible game. It was the, apparently it's the most watched Sunday night football game of all time. Yeah, because everyone just wants to watch Aaron Rodgers shit the bed and play like absolute garbage because they all hate watched him. Sorry, I'm laughing because I just I just looked over at Monday Night Raw. And fuck's sake, um, not to dive divert too far into this, but Dominic Mysterio might be one of the best fucking wrestlers on the planet right now. Dude, Not because of a, how he wrestles. He's an incredible heel. Scary. He's the best. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Very quickly, he gets arrested over New Year's yeah, uh, weekend yeah. or whatever. He spends like six hours in jail and then they do this promo with him with a teardrop, teardrop. tattoo. He's, he's like, I've done hard time. Yes, it's incredible. And now, he just showed up on Monday Night Raw wearing like this like bandana over his face and like the very like uh, Mexican gangster kind of thing. I'm like Jesus Christ. He's just which is funny because, pure. It, but it's genius because the whole like El Chapo thing that's happening in Mexico with the cartel and stuff. Like right. for them to to loosely draw on that culture for heat is kind of grimy in a way, but also very clever at the same time. He basically looks like Criminal Conan right now, and it's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> But what was also criminal was how the Packers lost that game. Like, okay, look, we've been saying it all year. The Lions aren't a bad team. No. Like, they have played well. But you have an opportunity here, and you're Aaron Rodgers, and you have an opportunity to make it, like, sneak their way into the playoffs, find themselves into a winning record. They would have been nine and eight, had a winning record, got into the playoffs. But you lost to the Lions. It's it shouldn't be as big of a joke as I'm making it sound because again the Lions the Lions end up with a better record at the end of the year than the historically Packers. it feels like it should have been a joke because the Lions have been abysmal. But 
down the stretch, the Lions were one of the best teams in the NFL. Even like they were, and throughout the whole year, they were one of the top offenses in the entire NFL, which is fucking crazy because Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl last year and Jared Goff was cast off to Detroit. Well, how about that Jamal Williams, though? Oh, unreal. Setting a, a franchise record for most rushing touchdowns in a season. I think it was 17 or something like that. Yeah, it beats Barry. Or tied the record. And not to mention, he's just a big Pokemon fan. Huge Pokemon fan. I mean, half, half the league are probably weebs anyway. Also a Naruto fan. Yeah, big Naruto guy. I think he's making a very strong case for me to buy a Jamal Williams jersey. Although... Gate. I, I, I really... Do, I, <laughs> I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, where I don't like getting players who are younger than me, and he is about seven years younger than me so maybe that's not something i'm gonna do also i don't necessarily want a detroit lions you're just gonna stop buying jerseys then no just get one from china that way it's 50 bucks no big deal i'm not getting these chinese jerseys james racist this guy will get a chinese pokemon or a japanese pokemon but he won't get a chinese football jersey okay i see how it is yeah he'll brick his switch for a score bunny but he won't spend 50 dollars <laughs> the score bunny only cost me a level 32 meow whereas <laughs> he said ordering this <laughs> he said hey dh gate will you take a level 32 meowth for the jersey <laughs> if i could trade meowths for jerseys i still probably wouldn't do it because i don't want these bootleg chinese ones nevertheless um I always find the last week of the NFL season weird because there's so many games that matter. I shouldn't say so many games that matter. There's a, there's some games that really matter, and there's a lot of games that don't matter. And sometimes you're like rooting for games that don't matter to go your way, and that is a recipe for disaster. And what I, the other thing that blew my mind, just looking at the standings at the end of the year, and is mainly when I looked and saw the box score of the Texans winning that game and laughing that they had essentially just given up first pick. Like they didn't want it. Like, fuck it. We don't want the first pick in the draft. They should, no, they should. You know what? Before the game, they knew they were firing their coach coming into Monday. They should have fired him before that game and had the janitor run the team and be like, just go out there. <laughs> Why just not? Stand on the sideline. We can't have this game won. It's just, it is it's very apropos for that team that has not had a dedicated plan for since their inception into the league. And it's just their plan could have been easily tank, get this first overall pick, build around that. But no, like Lovey Smith goes out there and get and probably knows he was getting fired. And they probably said, Hey, this is your last game. And he, you know, and he probably went out, guys, this is my last game. Let's really fuck them over. They don't want me. They don't want you. Let's really give it to them. They can't get that first overall pick. And he just gave him the finger. It's essentially what he did. And the game was in Indianapolis, too. Like, it was not like they were playing in front of home fans and want to give them a send off. <laughs> no one was watching that game from Houston. No. They didn't care. No one was watching that game from Indianapolis. Like, no one gives a That's shit a about point. that game, period. No one, gave, no one cared about that game at all, except the people who wanted the Texans to lose, and they didn't. But know who really wanted the Texans to win was the team that ended up getting the last place final was the bears? last place position was the bears and like i was looking at the standings i'm like the bears were that bad this year i feel like every time we looked at those games we're like man do you know what yeah, happened? they got a hell of, 
they got a hell of a quarterback there. Yeah, know? that's what happened. Every week we heard Justin Fields ran for 7,000 yards, and we were like, oh, that's amazing. And then yeah, the Bears, they lost that game by three touchdowns. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, the, the sad thing is, is that, for, that first overall pick is not going to help them defensively to fix that. Who, the Bears? Yeah. Uh, defensively, no. Well, probably not. But the Bears have a ton of cap space. The Bears have presumably oh. a healthy and uh, great starting quarterback. Oh, they could the sign ba- the defensive woes away. That's for sure. That's what but- I'm saying. Like the Bears could. I want to say right now, the market right down, market down on January 9th. Ooh. The Bears make the playoffs next season. Presumably, they they make some moves, but with I don't the first disagree. overall pick. The offense with the first overall pick with a lot of cap space. Their offense isn't horrible. They need to make some defensive changes. I think they could make a lot of noise next year. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. I th- I think on the defensive side of the ball, they definitely need to shore that shore that shit up. Um, and the offense underperformed, sure. but sorry, they're going to throw money at that problem for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and they could, Let's, you know what? Your defensive woes could be taken away or solved via draft. Look at look at the Jets. Uh, it's the best yeah, defensive but player. A, but you don't waste a first overall pick on like an inside linebacker or you know a defensive lineman that's going to change your. That's shit. You get solid guys that you know what you're going to get in and out of every play. And most you know, of the time they go. Be, most of the time they go to like O linemen, right? Like yeah. most of like a lot of the like first picks are. Or O linemen or they're or receive well first overall no most first overall picks are the quarterbacks, wide receivers, or running backs. You know, I wouldn't say running backs in recent memory because those guys have such a small shelf. I think Ezekiel Elliott was the last one to be first overall, if I remember correctly. But um but yeah, no, it's not generally a defensive guy. Like it's not gonna be a linebacker, it's not gonna be you know, defensive tackle or DB or anything like that, you know, it's going to be for them. It could, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's a tight end for the bears to get a solid top end tight. I mean, you could even look, they could say, Hey, let's trade down a couple spots, get the third overall. I can believe that plus help. I can believe that too. If I was the bears, you could acquire a lot of options with that pick. You could acquire two first rounders. Yeah. That might be an option. you You trade down you could say, Give me, you know, a fourth, your fourth overall pick plus, you know. What's the draft order look like? Has anyone looked at like NFL mock draft lately? No. I have not. I will say though, like as you look that up and kind of slight tangent, the Jags might be the one team that other teams don't want to play in the playoffs. Like they're that sleeper. Yeah, absolutely. that, That massive sleeper team and. It looks like Trevor Lawrence figured it out, and I, I will, full disclosure, I'm very biased because that's my dude. But, yeah, like, he looks like what everyone thought he was going to be last year. So, you know what I mean? We're- Mock Draft has them taking, funnily enough, an edge first overall, Will Anderson. Really? Yeah, but they... they- <laughs> You look this guy up. It's YouTube highlight videos. It says Will the Terminator Anderson. Oh boy! Yeah. <laughs> Talk about nicknames. This ain't no Bob the Builder out here. This is uh, Terminator. Yeah, this is Bob the Destroyer. This guy. Um, they're just like <laughs> Will One Eight Seven Anderson. It's just like jeez. <laughs> so, I actually, I like, small digression again. Um, I had this. I I had said this today. 
is maybe the biggest faux pas in sports or just in life in general. Like one of those things is giving yourself your own nickname. Like that's gotta be an instant benching for life. No, like you're on grocery stick duty forever. I don't think I've ever, the only nickname I think I've been given was dusty, but like, that's obvious because my name's Dustin, but like, there's never a time in my life where I've introduced myself as dusty. Like people just call me that and that's like, okay, sure. Like, yeah. I think it's a, a weird thing to do. Give yourself a nickname. Like, you're George Costanza. I want to be called T-Bone. Yeah. It's just so cringe. It's something Russell Wilson would do. Because he's Mr. Unlimited. Right? Unlimited. <laughs> it just Honestly, it's like any kind of motivation I have in life goes away when I hear that dude talk. I just, I don't know. I just want well, to kick myself in the nuts. In spite of Russell Wilson leaving the Seahawks, the Seahawks did manage to make the playoffs. Former Jets and... QB Geno Smith leading that team into the playoffs. <laughs> it, it never stops being funny. Uh, I think it's also worth looking back now at our NFL Super Bowl predictions that we picked at the beginning of the year. Let's not look at mine. Um, so, to, if actually, you know what? The NFC, we did really well. James did perfect in the NFC. We all said the Eagles for the East, and the Eagles won the East. We all said the Vikings in the North, and the Vikings won the North. We all said Tampa in the South, and even though that one got a little dicey there at the end of the year, Tampa ended up winning that one. The NFC West, James nailed it with the 49ers. Uh, Maddie said the Rams, and I said the Cardinals, which obviously <laughs> uh, was not that great of picks. Now, looking back on it as Cardinals. And I nailed it forward. with Brock Purdy coming in and stealing the show. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know what happened to the Rams, even though Rams weren't my pick. I don't, like when we had that discussion, we were all thinking like, you know what? The Rams are good. And the 49ers were not sure about Trey Lance and that's going to work out. And, and the Cardinals like they probably have the best offense in the entire division. And then, you know, and now Sean McVay is probably going to step away from the team. Yeah. What a, yeah. what a mess. Jesus. In the like, AFC, we were, all, we were all correct with the bills. Uh, excuse, AFC East, excuse me. Uh, AFC North, we were all correct with the Bengals. But then we get to the South and the West, and we are all wrong. <laughs> uh, in the AFC South, I mean, who's going to pick the Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC South? So I don't even give a shit for that one. Uh, James said the Colts, and both Maddie and I said the Titans. I don't think those are bad picks if you look at it at the beginning of the year. But I am confused about what happened in the AFC West. None of us picked the Chiefs. Like, I think... I- you know what? Mine, my logic was how they played the year before because there was a stretch of like six weeks they played like absolute shit. And so I'm like, you know what? Is this the year they kind of regress a little bit? They lost uh, Tyreek Hill. And so I was like, you know what? There's probably going to be a regression here. And then Patrick Mahomes went Super Saiyan and probably going to win the MVP again. Yeah. And so. I think that's exactly the way I was thinking too. The, the loss of Tyreek Hill I thought was going to be huge for them. And it didn't really matter. It's weird how it didn't matter at all to the Chiefs, but it made the Dolphins significantly better. So I guess both things can be true, but none of us picked the Chiefs. Uh, James picked the Broncos. Maddie picked the Chargers. And I, picked the Raiders. <laughs> I believed in that Raiders offense at the beginning of the year, man. I thought that Derek Carr and Devontae oh, Adams man. connection was going to work out, and it just didn't. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we all made a Super Bowl pick as well. James picked the Bills. Maddie picked the Rams, who aren't even in the playoffs. And <laughs> I picked the Vikings. So, now as we stand, playoffs are about to get started off, of course. 
we are kicking off on Saturday for our first playoff games. A really fun tool that I saw online today was myplayoffpicks.com. Not a sponsor. Don't know how they make their money. Don't care how they make their money. But it's fun to do it because it's a really simple way just to pick a bracket for the playoffs going forward. And it does all the math for you. It reseeds everything for you. You don't got to think about it. For me, I'm just going to rattle. We're going to post this on our social media account. So if you want to see the in-depth, like, blow-by-blow, as it were, of all of our playoff picks, you can go check those out on our social pages at 43.6. But for me, I have the stuff that I think matters the most in terms of upsets. I have the Ravens upsetting the Bengals in the first round. Then they're going to lose to the Chiefs after that. I also have the Jags upsetting the Chargers. Because, Maddie, I'm with you. I think the Jags are the team that no one's going to want to fuck with in, in this playoff. For and then it actually the first gets, couple, like, then they're going to yeah. get into the serious. On the other side of things, the, the major upsets I have is the Dallas Cowboys. I have them beating the Bucks, and I have them then beating the Eagles. Then I have them going to the NFC Championship game and losing to the Vikings, who are going to go on and win the Super Bowl. So I have the Super Bowl of the Vikings and the Bills, and the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl, mainly because I picked them at the beginning of the year, and now I... I'm going to die on this hill. So for me, I'm sticking with the Vikings. I know the criticisms and I know that everyone's calling them a fraud team. Um, Fraudulent. I get it. it. Um, They haven't exactly inspired confidence over the past few weeks. But Justin Jefferson is a game changer. Dalvin Cook, when healthy, top five running back in the league. I think there's enough here. Possibly in the range of 20 to 30th quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> I think there's enough here. Hey, we've seen some bad, I shouldn't say bad. We've seen some uh, suspect quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Like hey, man. Foles? Joe Flacco the, won a Super Bowl. Joe Flacco not only won Matt a Super Stafford. Bowl, but he was a Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford. Yeah. Anyways, right. that's my picks for the Super Bowl. James, I'll pass it to you as well. Uh, let me pull it back up. So my uh, bracket actually looks like the advertised bracket that they use. If you share the link, it's actually the same thing, I think. Oh, so you so, picked all the favorites and that was it? Pretty much. Uh, basically, it's Bills and Eagles in the final, and I got the Bills going over. Maddie? I just I don't see oh. I don't see any upsets because I think the, the Delta... <laughs> The, the I think gap between might agree these teams, with me on some upsets. The gap between yeah. these teams, I think, is too wide. But the only one I have is the Jags. So I have the Jags beating the Chargers and then losing to the Chiefs. Uh, I have the Bengals beating the Ravens and then Bills beating the Dolphins. Um, and then I have the AFC Championship getting down to Chiefs-Bills. And then for the NFC, uh, Niners beating the Seahawks, I mean... I feel like that's a no-brainer. I have the Cowboys beating the Bucks. I have the Vikings beating the Giants. Uh, and then, so division, Eagles, Cowboys. I have the Eagles. I have the Niners over the Vikings. And then I have the NFC champs being the Eagles and the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. All right, Chiefs, so there you Eagles, have it. Make sure you, Chiefs, uh, Eagles would be a wonderful Super Bowl. Well, that, that, that would be an absolute gun show. 
the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm excited. Eagles, yeah. Either way, I'm very excited to watch some playoff football. I can't wait. Those are our picks. Make sure you go to 43.6 on social media to check out the full brackets. And if you want to follow along on those and make fun of James when he makes horrible picks again. But also, while you're on Instagram, you should also go to Now Your Treasures. Because this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send them a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And make sure you go to Instagram, nowyourtreasures on Instagram. Send them a DM, 43.6, to receive 43% off any order. Gentlemen, we're about to get 43% uh, smaller in terms of scope of this show because I think Maddie has to go take care of a, a newborn. No, we'll get through the World Junior stuff first, and then I can... Oh, you know what? I totally skipped over the World Junior thing on my lineup card. So, yes, let's do that. Um, You know, remember a few weeks ago when the World Juniors played their first game of the year? Or first game of this tournament, I should say, because they've already played a tournament in the same calendar year. Uh, The first game of this tournament, and they got just housed by Czechia. And we were discussing on this show, shit. Um, this this could be a problem. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be an issue. Um, This team ain't it. What are they going to have to do? Maybe this whole hockey can of things, too much of a distraction right now. Let's put a pin in that one and come back to that one as well. Um, But fortunately, the rest of the way through the tournament, Canada didn't lose another game. The rest of the way through the tournament, I don't think Czechia lost another game either. Czechia was undefeated going into the final, which made for a very... uh, a great story in the final of that tournament where you have this up-and-comer Czechia who's been running roughshod over the whole tournament, and here they are in the finals, haven't lost a game yet, and they come up against Canada. Canada's defending champion. Canada is the team that everyone expects to win every single year. Canada is the one that they've proven they can beat, and they beat them in the first round. Now Canada's coming back to get that win back, and they're coming back to defend their championship on home soil. It's just, this is great. Mm-hmm. I, I just wish it wasn't on TSN so I can enjoy it in like uh, with the proper uh, broadcast. But maybe one day Sportsnet will be able to pick up the World Juniors and we can tell TSN to fuck off for the rest of the lifetime. Um, nevertheless, I, I I I thoroughly enjoyed this tournament, regardless of the fact that it was on TSN. And I I don't know when we'll ever see another player like Bedard ever again in our life. McDavid didn't even do this. Crosby didn't do this. Like some of the like Matthews didn't do this. Um, Patrick Kane didn't do this. Like think of all the great names that have come through the junior tournament in the past like thirty years, and that we've seen like on that historic team of like what was it like the O three team or the O four team or whatever the O five team, where the lockout year where you essentially had you know the best players from two years of drafts for Canada and they just dummied everybody in that tournament. Um, the kid was good. Everyone knew he was good and probably going to be the first overall pick regardless. But it seemed like he, any talk of, you know, maybe, 
you know, a team could go right with picking Adam Fentelli second or the kid from Russia last year they were talking about potentially being the first overall pick, you know, outside of the concerns of him signing a contract with the team and the whole shit going on with Russia. That dude just absolutely went out there and an undrafted 17-year-old made it look like he was a six-year NHL vet playing in this tournament as a lone player. Like, it was stupid. And I think capped off more than anything, that overtime goal against Slovakia, where he, the first defenseman didn't, or player didn't know where he was going. The second defenseman was checking into a hotel and the goalie was already half on a flight back to Slovakia when he scored the goal. Like it was stupid. It, it was, it was incredible how easy he made it look. Right. Of just dancing through like three defenders and like, oh, here's to put this puck in the net now. Let's go home. Yeah, he was like, you know what, guys, this went on for too long. You know, I, I, I was here for the entertainment purposes so that, you know, people could enjoy a nice overtime game. But he's like, I'm sick of this shit. I want to go home and go to bed. And that's what it felt like. Uh, on another note, before we dive more into like more of the whole tournament and team, man, this should never be played in NHL rank. Like they, in the small towns, the junior towns and shit like that, it's so much better. Like the vibe, the fans, like if it comes back to Ontario, London, put it in London. Don't bring it to Toronto. It doesn't need to be in a 20,000 seat stadium or arena. Like give me like a 7,000 seat or 10,000 seat junior rink and like a nice junior barn like that or throw it down in Niagara where the ice dogs play or some shit like that. You, you know, know what I'm thinking? You know, you know what I'm thinking of where what? it should go next. Where? Is Mullet Arena is where it should go next. Yo, could you imagine this shit at Mullet Arena? Like, it would never happen, but oh, probably not. No, <laughs> like, but that's that's what I mean. I think this is suited for that. Um, because I don't think I've ever seen it. And from everything you heard, Halifax and Moncton absolutely blew it out of the water, especially on short notice because at the start of the year it got pulled from Russia. And so they essentially did this on eight months' notice. So yeah, but um, Canada looked good after that game. It, like it looked like that was the wake up call they needed. Usually, they don't see a game like that until New Year's when they usually typically play the Americans. Um, and you know, they kind of have that wake up call and then pick it up. But from then on, it just looked like they they were saying, "No, we're not having any of this." And Jim and me were talking about a lot of it too, like throughout. And yeah, like that was. Like and their defense looked good, you know that Zellweger kid can fucking fly. Um, Del Mastro is big dude. Hines was really good. Um, you know Stan Coven was awesome, especially changing up that top line when you had Wright with Bedard, and then having the having the nuts to like move Shane Wright off that line and put Stan Coven up there is. So yeah, no, it was it was unreal. What I found most impressive is I think you were right that I don't think Canada is regressing so much maybe as other countries are getting better. Like Czechia was a good team and they took Canada to overtime and they held Connor Bedard off the score sheet in that game, which is very, you know, from the guy who has like 46 points in the friggin' tournament, like it's very difficult to do. Um, I was really impressed by Dylan Gunther's play. Like that kid. Yes. Like, the Canucks look like morons, you know, basically <laughs> giving that kid up for Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, that's that's pretty... Like, I know they wanted to shed 
what's his nuts um louis erickson and all those jabronis but like you look at the way that kid's playing it's just and and maybe the canucks don't necessarily need more like offense well they might now because half the guys don't want to play there anymore so yeah well, yeah like horvat's gonna be gone besser will be gone so like a a kid like gunther would have been perfect on that team so i mean but hey their loss is is arizona's treasure man that kid's gonna be that kid's gonna be a solid nhler for a lot of years um you know the the poise even on that goal um oh a lot of guys would fan on that or like bobble the pass yeah so it's uh like i thought i thought he played great and he was I don't know how many points he had in the tournament, but he had a lot of timely goals, I thought. Yeah, I just, you know, if you, yeah. So, hey, like, anyway, I thought the tournament was pretty, I, was, I think I was more impressed with some of the other countries and how they stepped up. I think with Slovakia upset the U.S. Um, did they not? Which is arguably a bigger upset than Czechia upsetting Canada, right? Like, that wasn't, Czechia is probably a, a higher ranked or skilled team than Slovakia. And the U.S. is just, well, I mean, on paper, we're just as good anticipated as Canada. And seeing that, that was... Yeah, and I the mean... The Americans didn't look Finland right. being eliminated early, I think that was big. Yeah. So, but just it, definitely it, interesting. Is it just me, or did the Americans look like they tried to do... Like, typically, the Americans have, you know, really hard, hard work. Like, they have skill, but a lot through their lineup were guys that... You know, got really hard into the four check. You know, they worked really hard and, you know, they played physical, they played big. And it looked like this year they were like, hey, let's change it up. Let's, their team was small. And it didn't feel small. The game, the game against Canada, Canada just ran over them for most of that game. The second they started throwing the body, um, there's a lot of big hits in that third period. I mean, it was highlighted by, what was it um del mastro just dumps hughes and then one of the american players comes over to try and defend hughes and he just stiff arms him down to the ice and it just i think that was a essentially a metaphor for how that game went for the americans where they tried to push back and they couldn't you know and this was canada playing like they usually did the ones that we grew up watching 10 15 years ago Right. So where they had, you know, four or five guys that were really skilled, could put the puck in the net and move it around. And then the rest of the lineup were guys that had skill, but, you know, could crash and bang and, you know, get in on the puck before anybody else. So, yeah, no, it was. It, it was probably the most entertaining tournament we've seen that that bronze game with the Swedes in the US. We were watching that, eh? <laughs> that was unreal. What was it like eight, seven? Eight seven, yeah. Nine goals in the second period. It's fucking stupid. Like they no one cared about defense in that game. That was shinny. But <laughs> definitely felt like it. But yeah, Bedard, man, wouldn't it just be poetic if he does go to Vancouver? You know, that's his hometown team, his favorite team. That'd be awesome, I think. I don't know how they like, I don't get think there. it's happened. No? I don't know how yeah, I don't know how they're gonna get there. I mean, I think the Blackhawks are are probably the positioned to take the number one pick. Well, oddly enough, it could work out that Montreal gets both the first and the second overall pick. I mean, it's possible if they just keep losing. Yep. Well, I 
I think what the Canucks need to do is trade Horvat and trade him soon. And yeah, they can't afford to be winning. Even that's like the thing. stupid yeah. games. They can't be the Texans. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. right. No, for sure. But Montreal could get the first two picks because they have Florida's pick and Florida's not good. And so Florida could move up in the lottery. Montreal could move up and get the first. So they could be drafting Bedard and Fantilli. Well, that's just the thing, though. Like the lottery is a lottery, right? right? So even if you have the best odds in the lottery, we've seen it before. Like you don't necessarily get the pick. I know the Leafs got shafted by one number from getting McDavid. On well, the plus there play. was the years where the Leafs were in it for Stamkos as well, right? And I think they're yeah. just on the outside looking in on that one. Yeah. That was a Luke Shen year who I still think would be a great Maple Leaf edition. And, you know, Vancouver, give us a call. I know. Stop Stop winning. Hey, if you're doing this, hey, you really want Bedard? Give me Luke Shen. Yeah. I'll give hey. you a sixth round pick. Fuck yeah. It. And, and we'll we'll take uh, Bo Horvat off your hands as well. And we'll, we'll, we'll give you, I don't know, like... Is Nathan Horton, Horton still <laughs> in the books? And we give him Nathan Horton. No, we'll give you Nathan Horton contract and Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll throw in Nikolai Kuhlman as well. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a good tournament. It was nice to see. You know, like I said, it's, it's nice to see the other teams in the other countries doing better. Um, because you don't want to have what you have on the women's side right now. You know, where it's you know it's going to be Canada U.S. Mm-hmm. Every time, I'm actually tempted to to go to that women's world championship because it's in Brampton. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll go check that out. Because I'll say this: I went to the gold medal game in Korea for the Canada US, and man, that was one of the best <laughs> hockey games I've ever seen in my life. It was unreal. So I might head out to Brampton, see if Jim wants to go and bring his little one to watch the game. Yeah, it'd be cool. So. But yeah, no, it was fun. I'm I'm hyped, and you know, I'm hyped for the rest of the NHL season because we're at the halfway point now, and you know, trade deadline's coming up too. Teams are going to start positioning to want to get Bedard after seeing that performance. You know, teams are going full tank. Bail hard for Bedard. <laughs> yeah, what's going to be the rhyming scheme for this one? Fail for nail, biggest bust. Yeah, teams are definitely going all in for Bedard. And someone who's also going all in right now is Vince McMahon, who is going all in on oh, that's trying nice. to get Maddie gave the salute. Yeah, yeah, I gave the salute. Yeah, so yeah. Maddie has to run and take care of his newborn. So yeah, uh, James I'm, and I are going to close out the episode talking about the the big Vince McMahon story. So thank you, Maddie, for joining us, even though you have a, a less than a one year week old baby. Yeah, well, like I said, is uh, we, we make it work. Now I'm going to go get elbow deep in some shit. Let's go. There you go. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you boys next week. <laughs> All right. See, see you. Uh, we'll get elbow deep right into the Vince McMahon conversation. So, okay. Where to start on this? So Vince McMahon is the primary shareholder of WWE. Even while he had quote on say it again? 77%? I, I think it's actually more than that, but let's say it's 77% of the voting shares mm-hmm. of WWE. So even ha- though he had retired and stepped down as chairman of the company and was no longer head of creative, he still had all his voting power. 
so he had made it known back in December that he had planned to make a comeback to the company as chairman. And I don't think that went very well. I think there was a number of board members who were like, uh, no, and didn't want to make that happen or didn't want to allow that to happen, I should say. But what ended up happening a couple days ago, Vince just said, hey, I'm coming back and I'm going to be chairman and I'm bringing Michelle and George with me and they're going to be on the board with me and we're going to remove two board members as well to make room for them. Which I presume is so he has more votes on the board when he needs them. The very same people that he fired <laughs> like a year ago, whatever, but, but whatever. Um, then, and so you're probably wondering, like, so how did this all, why did this happen? And how is this happening now? Since Vince has all these voting shares, no decision in the company, not necessarily like day-to-day creative, but like no decision of the direction of the company can be approved without Vince's seal of approval. And Vince had made it clear, and I don't, I don't have a statement in front of me, but essentially what he said was, unless I come back and unless I am made executive chairman, I will not approve of any rights deal or sale of this company. So he kind of just snookered them there. It's like, well, if I don't come back and I'm not involved in this decision, uh, by decision, I mean, if I'm not involved in the rights deal decision, if I'm not involved in the sale of the company decisions, then uh, it's not happening at all. And that would be catastrophic to the business. So they had to bring it back. So Vince is back. <laughs> There's so many like ridiculous things that are going to come from this. So one, he said he's back to sell the company. He's not back to take over creative, supposedly. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But he is back to sell the company. And because of which, the stock price skyrocketed when that news came out. It went from about $50 to, I think it's trading just over under 90 now. Because everyone just assumes there'll be a sale and then whatever you put in will probably double when the sale happens because you'll have to buy out your shares. But here's the other the wrinkle here. The, the, the decision to come back was in efforts to sell the company, in efforts to negotiate a new rights deal. But typically, I think the way this is going, those two are going to go hand in hand. That whomever is buying WWE, the only people that are going to have, I shouldn't say people, the only entity that's going to have the money to be able to buy WWE is going to be a media conglomerate that is going to use that product on their network or on their streaming service or on their platform. If they had already signed a rights deal to NBC, why would anyone buy this company? Like the, the value that they're going to get for this company. So basically, if they had made another rights deal and say they got the same amount of money, they got $2 billion for another five years or whatever, someone coming in to buy the company might say, well, now it's worth like, I don't know, I'll give you a billion dollars for it. Like that, they're not going to see any more benefit to that content until five years until that rights deal is up. On the flip side, if you don't do the rights deal yet and you sell to NBC Universal, you're like, hey, listen, you're going to give us $5 billion for five years of this content. You can own this content now in perpetuity in the entire back catalog. Put it on Peacock for as long as you want. 
and give us $10 billion. And that looks like a great deal to NBC Universal. To someone on the outside looking in, like $10 billion is a lot of money for something they don't necessarily know what to do with. So I think that's where this is going. And that's why the rights deal coming up is so important for the sale of the company. Because five years from now, Vince McMahon will be 83 years old. And I think now he's looking at it as like, this is it. This is the time to cash in and sell this company. So all that being said, James. And also the, the pin I wanted to put in with the Tony Khan thing. I, my, I thought my computer restarted there for a second, but it didn't. Good. Um, Tony Khan, I don't know if you saw that tweet where he said, I think it was the day it happened. So this happened on like Thursday or whatever. And I think he may have tweeted that like the next day. Yeah, because he was pumping up uh, Rampage on Friday. He said, man, everyone's been really nice to me the past 24 hours. I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, everyone watched like Rampage tonight at 10 o'clock, whatever the fuck. Um, M- MJF's tweet was better. Oh, man, where MJF was like, I just want to let everyone know that I'm a big fan of NBC Universal and Box. Disney and Amazon. <laughs> Netflix. Netflix and whoever. So I have an idea where I think this is going and who's going to buy WWE, but I'm curious what your thoughts are, where you think, uh, who you think may be purchasing WWE. So two things. One, I think your your hypothesis of the rights deal and the sale like i think it actually could go both ways i think depending on who's gonna pay the most for it like if you're not a media group like that has if you're a content group but you're not a media group that has an outlet you probably want the rights deal before you purchase it like i don't think you want to go in negotiating your own rights deal as a new owner of a company like i feel like that puts you in a weak position so i think that's why like if you're the saudi group like you don't you want vince mcmahon there that's part of it too the saudis have done all their dealings with vince i wouldn't be surprised they were like we need you back here in this position because we're only going to talk to you like i I wouldn't i would 100 percent wouldn't be surprised that's the case um i don't like who does empire media own or whatever it is liberty who was empire fucking i don't know I've seen that name thrown around, but I'm not even sure what that is. But yes, Right, so the chances about. are they don't own a fucking channel or something. So um, I would be interested, um, you know, if they would want to see the rights deal short up before then. It, Warner Discovery is odd because they're in bed with Tony Khan. So if they purchased, like, what would that do? So I don't think that, I don't think they're, they're in the running. Plus they're a mess anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they're not exactly in the business of spending money on content right now. They're actually in the business of trimming their spending on right. content. Netflix is interesting because they are trying to fuck around with their subscribers. They went to an ad-based platform. They've plateaued in terms of subscribers. They need to find another way to either grow the subscriber base or monetize content. WWE might be a good way. I don't think they've ever had live content. Um so that certainly would be, not live sports that would be a hell of a a way to kind of dip your toes in or jump into that pool um to be honest i th- i the 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 most set up company to buy wwe right now is amazon um and i say well, that I because also nbc universal one of those two um because of well amazon's already doing thursday night football um 
and I don't like again say what you want about those games but that's they know how to execute uh, a broadcast like that they can do all sorts of things with interactivity they could do twitch like they have so much they could do to interweave that product and and you look at the the size of amazon in terms of being global like nbc like wwe is a global brand amazon is a global company the the scope and the scale fit in terms of their appeal nbc isn't global right it's very western so um i think amazon and i think but i think netflix would have a peaked interest like i said because they need to figure out a way to like because if you think about the production cost of wwe in a year compared to what the production cost of all their fucking features and tv shows are i bet you the production cost of wwe is significantly less um in total like in all the stuff they invest and either makes a return or doesn't like at least there's a steady cash flow you can count on with the business model of wwe like you can forecast that right um so i would think that they well, have a well here's interest. the thing though but like, if you look at the forecasting of the sales and like the revenue of WWE, the vast majority of that is from their television deal. Like they would have grossed a billion dollars this year, but most of that is from television revenue. Like they don't make they don't do pay per view anymore. Their merchandising isn't. I mean, I, I'm sure they're doing well in merchandising, but like their DVD business is dead. Their network has been cannibalized by Peacock. Their live event business is down. They're running less shows and they're in front of less people than they've ever been. So it, I wonder, I, I think you're right. I think Amazon is a great fit. When Amazon is trying to do, and I think it fits perfectly in their portfolio of what they want to do. And I, the Twitch thing is a great point too. I didn't even consider that. And they could probably even broadcast live on Twitch. Like, there's so many cool things Amazon well, can you do. Could they take, don't even have to put on Amazon Anna, Prime. NXT could be on Twitch. Main event could be on. Like, there's so many ways you could do that, dude. You do you want to know something else? If Amazon bought it, they open up Twitch back to the performers. Like, think about that. They could even do a split where instead of you getting a no, 50 getting 50 the, split with but they're getting the revenue anyway because all twitch streamers pay a portion of revenue back to twitch so just, well, that's what i'm saying you but for their guys they can say instead of a 50 50 split we'll give you a, a preferable rate right yeah like 70 30 and, or something right or whatever right so or 55 45 yeah. like that's what i mean like there's so many more things that amazon could do with that company that others can't that make it like if if i'm in the roster like if i'm xavier woods i'm praying it's amazon right well amazon at least in terms of the names that we have heard in the western part of the world amazon by far has the most money and they would easily be able to absolve the five million dollar market cap that wwe has right now if you look at like the market cap of Amazon, it's probably in the hundreds of millions, right? I think it's eight hundred billion. Eight hundred. Oh, okay, hundreds of billions. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, the, the only so like making a five billion dollar purchase is nothing, right? Like we've seen even a company like Microsoft, which I don't think will have any interest in buying this, but I'm saying Microsoft attempted. I don't know if they're going to yet. That's you know for the courts to decide, but tried to buy Activision for you know however many billions of dollars, and that's just a drop in the bucket to them. They don't care. So the amount of money doesn't matter to Amazon. They can pay whatever. But what I'm interested in seeing, I wonder 
if there will be some sort of Saudi Arabian intervention here. You yeah. know, like they started up Live Golf, and I feel like there's another. Um, oh, geez, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo thing. Like they have their own soccer league, they have their own golf league. WWE already goes there twice a year and gets paid five hundred million dollars per show to be there. And they, cause they maybe already, they're thinking, you know what? They already own so five hundred video games like THQ North. Like I was right, it's THQ North is part of Embracer Group, which is owned by the the Saudi uh, investment fund. So it would be all in one house. They could get WWE. They can have THQ produce the video game. Yeah. There's and like and we're talking about Amazon having a you know eight hundred billion dollar market cap. Uh, some of these Saudi Arabian princes are, are we're talking about trillions of dollars. They don't have to declare have. shit, right? Because they're they not companies. They don't exactly. So no one knows how much money these guys have, but I think they'd be able to easily match anything that Amazon is knew, willing to offer. We knew three years ago a sale was coming, right? Like when all these guys started getting cut, like they were. They're cutting the roster and trimming the roster for to report better on their investor calls, so that when the sale came, hey, they were lean and mean and, and attractive to to buyers. Well, specifically, the reason why Nick Khan was hired was to sell the company, right? right? So, for as long as Nick Khan's been involved, he has been trying to. I mean, I was just even trying to sell his company. He's been trying to position the company in a, a more favorable fashion when it's time to sell. Yeah, to and be tra- an attractive to commodity, yes. Well, the most attractive so, it can be, right? If I was a betting man, I think there's two ways this is going to go. It's either going to be, I guess, three ways. It's either going to be NBC Universal, since it's already in their portfolio, essentially, like it's already on Peacock, and they can then offset the cost of buying WWE by then, like, sending it out to other markets. And selling rights for the network and try to recuperate some of that cost. Yeah. The other one is Amazon, and that's I, I think that is a more simplified approach in that they bring in every all the WWE content into Amazon Prime and utilize their leverage with Twitch. Oh, dude, think and their this. worldwide coverage. Well, and think about this: merch, next day shipping. Like it's just you, you, you create like if I'm if I'm at Amazon, I'm looking at it like okay. Like, what are the merch numbers? Like, what are... Because, like, you're going to turn that stuff around in terms of supply chain like no other company can, right? So, that... Like, you you start carrying that stuff in warehouses. Like, it's just... It's not a matter of if they can or they should. It's do they care. Like, that's really... that. Like, if Amazon cares enough, then that's where it's going to go. And if I'm in, in stream wars... Like, could you, to me, like, think about it like this way. Monday night, you have Raw. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, you may not have anything. Thursday night, football. Friday night, SmackDown. Well, you would have NXT. Like, if you were Amazon, you would potentially have something every night. And that is incredible. Like, something engaging that you can put on every night except for the weekends to uh, attain an audience. And this all comes with your prime benefit that gets you cheap quick shipping like it just and again the twitch piece and it just makes too much sense and it's too turnkey for them that i don't like if if they if they don't want to do it it's got to be significantly 
from a monetary standpoint, not beneficial. Like live production and travel and stuff just has to be astronomical. Like that's like, cause it just, it, it's just too simple. You know what I mean? Like for them, I don't know. But again, they, yeah, could, they could turn around the logistics of, of the, of the fucking travel. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, you can put all that shit in Amazon trucks now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they get places real quick. Also consider, if Saudi Arabia is paying WWE $500 million a year to produce two shows in Saudi Arabia, and it's a five-year deal, so it was a $2.5 billion deal. Isn't that half the market cap of the stupid company? So they could buy WWE for five... Have billion dollars all the shows (laughs) they have it all and then they can then sell a rights deal to nbc universal for two three billion dollars they're saving the two and a half that we would have spent on an additional five years they essentially get wwe for free not a bad point what is it so if you're the point is if, if you have the money and you have the bankroll to be able to do this and you have the ability and the wherewithal to know how to sell the rights deals this is a no-brainer opportunity for a lot of people, but now, but now it's a matter of do you have the billions of dollars to do it and the know-how to understand the business. So I think that's where the Saudi Arabian issue might be and that they not, might not necessarily understand how to uh, market this properly. It very well may be the death of WWE as you know it. I, I think best case scenario for a wrestling fan is probably the Amazon route, probably the NBC Universal route. At least that way nothing changes too much. Of course, there could be someone that comes in out of nowhere and buys Comcast. a company that we weren't even thinking of. Comcast. Yeah, like any, but, but that's still along the same lines of like a service provider of content, right? Like I'm talking about someone completely out of nowhere, like someone like a, I don't know, Mark Cuban out of nowhere <laughs> comes in and buys this company. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with it? Tony Khan's dad. <laughs> exactly. Or it could be something like that. How crazy would that be? He if, just renames I, I just it see all visions. Week. I just see visions of it, man. Of like Tony Dude, he, Khan. He just replicates the WCW thing. Exactly. He's like the name on the contract says Khan. Khan, but it's not Nick Khan. <laughs> but not Nick Khan. It says Tony. That's Khan. right. And like I that could be. WWE. Man, I, I bet. I am willing to guarantee that TK has dreamed of that moment. That night, it's fucking Kenny Omega versus fucking Seth Rollins or some shit. <laughs> and he gets to. Uh, How much money like does Tony Jeff- Khan have? You think? You think he could? Do- I don't know. He could. I don't know that he could do it. He's loaded, but I don't know. He's that loaded. I think. Sh- I think his dad is that loaded. I don't. I don't think he is. I think Tony might need. Like we're talking at least, I think like the the bar is five billion dollars. I don't know how much money Tony Khan has. I wonder if a Google search would be able to tell us that. But his net worth is a billion. Uh huh. It's only a billion dollars. So here's the thing, though. Okay, let's think about it from this angle. If you're Tony Khan, his dad is a net worth of eleven point five. If you're Tony Khan, and you're trying to make a run at this wrestling thing, right? And you have AEW. And it's going okay, but it's not, it's not turning a big profit. In fact, AEW probably loses money. I'm willing to guarantee it loses money every year. Wouldn't it be great to just buy the thing that makes money and then put some of your guys there and like, just buy a 
fresher, cleaner boat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you really want to make a run at it, just take the thing that's already working. Yeah, and there's no reason why both can't exist, where he could buy WWE. And now he'll probably need a investor to back him. Because, I mean, if he, in fact, according to Google, is worth $1 billion, you'll need a bit more money than that. And maybe his investor would be Warner Brothers. Or, Sa- or, or Saudis. We don't know. Or maybe, yeah, who knows? But he could purchase it and just keep, you know, the Hunter and Stephanie in charge. Let them just run it in perpetuity. And you have access to put your AEW content on the WWE network. Well, it's there's a win the network. Win. That's the thing. It's on Universal, right? Right. Well, I mean, assuming that I mean, it, it would depend on because Tony Khan's rights deal is coming up soon as well. I think he has a year left until he has to start renegotiating that. And I think this whole thing puts AEW in a great position where you can say, I don't know. I don't, I, I would have to look up what exactly Tony Khan's getting for AEW, but it's nothing in comparison to what WWE got. WWE got like $2.5 billion for their, or $2 billion for their rights deal. I don't think AEW got more than like a hundred million. Let's say it was, let's say it was $200 million that they got for Dynamite. Tony Khan could then go to all these networks and say, look, WWE just sold for $5 billion. I'm offering, and let's say the television rights to that was at least $2 billion of it because that's what they got last time. I can offer you half the ratings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For, for half the price or even 25% of the price. And all of a sudden you went up to a $500 million rights deal by doing nothing. By just saying I'm half the value. That, like WWE now set the price, Right. Yeah, the best thing for him that happened is that the right seals are going to be negotiated closely. Like they aren't, they're scalable, right? And I think that's the best thing to happen to Tony Khan is that that's his way out. And by way out, I mean like of the red on this. Right. All he has to do is grab some of the charts that Brandon Thurston puts together on WrestleNomics and say, hey, look, here's, here's the ratings breakdown every single week. And I will give you this percentage of Monday Night Raw. And I, all I asked for is, is that percentage of what Monday Night Raw was purchased or was given just now. I wonder if Vince and all ki- of a sudden, I wonder if Vince kicks it before this happens. Eat before the company sells. Yeah, I don't think so. What's weird though is like, why? It's kind of like Succession, eh? Like why? Why not? Like, again, like, he just doesn't give a shit about his kids. Well, I get, well, like, I shouldn't say that. Like, actually, I should, because he doesn't. What? What are you suggesting? That he should just give the company to Stephanie and Triple H? Or sign over some sort of deal where they he gets a massive amount of money uh, out of it for whatever. Like, he should, like, I mean, selling his shares is no different than selling the company. He could just cash out. Like, I don't, I don't get what he gets out of this. That's been my big question. What does he get? He gets a lot of money. What's I know, that's it. it. That's all I but can think he of. He gets a lot it? of money. He gets the bragging rights. I don't know. What's, I don't know. Maybe there's a party with, like, billionaires, and they talk about, like, how much what's money he going to do with it? Companies. I don't know. See, that's the thing. Like, I always thought it was more valuable 
and maybe I'm looking at this as myself personally, and I'm projecting these feelings onto Vince McMahon, but I always thought it was more valuable to keep the company within his family rather than cash out. And then like the company's gone. That's it. No longer in your control. Now you could write in to the sale that like Hunter and Stephanie need to be involved for X amount of years or whatever. And obviously you would want that if you're buying it, like you want some people around who, you know, well, I think there's, there's not many people in the world who knows how to run a wrestling company. There's a yeah, proof. Um, there's a, there's a certain value to having a McMahon on board. Yo, what if Shane found money? Got to find a lot of money. So uh, he's got a lot of business dealings. Like he's very well connected. I wonder if he found that'd be, that'd be the name on the contract says, says McMahon. McMahon. He gets, uh, but it says gets, Shane McMahon. Gets told to go the fuck home from the Rumble. He leaves. He's like, I'll show you. He spends his time in the in the well, like in the Dark Knight Rises, but it's just with a bunch of rich people. And then he climbs out. <laughs> you know, speaking of the Rumble, how insane would it have been if they didn't tell anybody that Vince was coming back? It didn't leak. And then, like the buzzer at the Rumble goes, and Vince McMahon rolls out there. It's like, what happened? He's just number thirty, and he comes out, and he goes, yeah. "I'm selling this son of a bitch." Well, see, here's the thing. For so long, I've pitched this idea uh, to no one other than myself that I <laughs> something I would love to see in the Rumble one year, and you can do it now that you do two Rumbles in the same show. Because I always thought it might be a, a, a an ending that isn't overly desirable, but. I think the story is worth it. But now they do too. It's fine. You can just have a good rumble and a bad rumble. Anyways, what I mean is, let's say um, you've gotten down to 29, 29 guys have gotten the ring. We're down to two. We're still waiting on 30. So total will be three guys left in this match. And before 30 even comes out, both the last two guys eliminate each other. And now the ring is totally empty. And there's no one left except number 30 to come out. The guy just walks out and wins. And then 30 just comes out and celebrates his way to the ring, puts his hands up, and that's it. And that's what he could do with Vince. My, uh, the my ultimate dream, heel rumble uh, win. My dream, I have two dream rumble endings. One is that the Money in the Bank winner wins the rumble so that they can do the, oh, he didn't win his rumble spot, but then he cashes in on the other champion or on the same guy. Like he gets pinned and then, like, was able to cash in immediately. I think that'd be nice. Like he gets like a, a surprise roll up or something on his rumble win. And then he cashes in, knocks the guy out, wins. Um, oh, so you're saying like he uses the briefcase to enter the rumble. No, he's in the rumble with the briefcase, wins the rumble. Now has two chances. Uh huh. Like he stacked his chances. He goes to mania, fucking loses, but then immediately cashes in. Well, okay. I, I don't, I, I don't hate that idea. What if, uh, and Money in the Bank winner wins the Rumble, and he says, "I'm going to challenge you know so and so for the world title with my on Rumble Saturday, yeah. and then on Sunday I'm using my briefcase for the other title." Yeah. Or or what if, what if he cashed his contract in at the at the bell, and the guy has to pin him twice? <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I like where that's going. Okay. That'd be oh that'd be so he has to pin him twice, and he only has to pin him once. That'd be kind of fucking clever too. Actually, um, or the other dream one is that the champion enters the rumble and fucking wins. That happened well, though before, didn't it? 
They did. They did one where Roman Reigns was champion going in, and I don't recall Triple him H, losing. So he must. Tri- no, Triple H came out the winner. Oh, Triple H. That's right. Triple H came out eliminated <laughs> and won the title. And then there was the twenty twenty or twenty nineteen year, or was it twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? I think it was twenty twenty. When did COVID start? Was it twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. Yeah. It was the twenty twenty Rumble where Brock Lesnar was WWE champion going in and he entered number one, but he wasn't defending the title in the rumble. Like Roman was, he was just in the rumble for funsies. And that's when uh, Drew McIntyre eliminated him, and they went to WrestleMania in the performance center. Anyways, we're way off top. Yeah. I just want, I just want the rumble winner to be the champion, like go in the champion, leave the champion and be like, well, no challengers. And then he just goes home. Well, I like my idea better where, Number thirty comes out and he's already won by default. Let us know. It's just let Zach us know Gowen. which uh, idea you prefer in the uh, comment section of this video. Actually, there's no video in the comment section of this uh, podcast and on our social media accounts at forty three point six. Let us know who's a better booker, me or James. But before we go, we have to say some nice things about some nice people. It's our favorite segment of the week. That's right, it's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it's the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his very short run in WWE. Hey, maybe, you know what, you never know. This coming Royal Rumble, we perhaps may see Maven make a return to WWE when that buzzer ticks down. You never know who you're going to see. Those last two guys eliminate themselves, and then number 30 comes out. And there it is. That's it. Automatic winner. I mean, that's the best part of Maven, right? Is hearing that entrance music and having him (laughs) jumping around out there. Just three minutes of the music, him celebrating. (laughs) Good night, everyone. What a night. That's it. He points at the sign. comes out and points at the sign. (laughs) So on shout-outs, we'd like to say something nice about someone to go out on a high note. Uh, Mine is going to be someone who also related to professional wrestling, also someone who is Canadian, and someone who recently won the Battle of Los Angeles. And that is one speedball Mike Bailey. I think it's really, really, really cool that this guy had a hell of a 2022, right? If you think about it, look back, he was exhibition champion. A lot of people, he would be in consideration for match of the year with him and Josh Alexander, which again is awesome because they're two Canadian guys. And then starts 2023 by winning Bola by beating uh, Takeshka in, in the final, which is just amazing. And I don't know if you saw any of the pictures from Bola, but like, there's, they always do that like crazy overbooked 10-man tag of like all the guys who were in the tournament who didn't make it to the final. And this year they did like five of them, and like Kevin Blackwood was one of them against the Jericho Appreciation Society and Chris Jericho was there. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, this is just the, the wildest thing that independent wrestling is right now where guys are just showing up out of nowhere. But it's really, really, really cool to see uh, Mike Bailey getting the recognition that he deserves. He's a really good dude. And um, I think it's going to put a spotlight on a lot of Canadian guys who haven't gotten an opportunity because of the circumstances. And it's pretty awesome when you look at guys like Josh Alexander and Mike Bailey now who are making a big name for this country and I appreciate them. While I would tend to agree with you, I will still put my foot down and say nobody's out there putting the content out there in a proper way for anybody to get seen. So it's also up to 
the the scene itself to to create and cultivate a platform for these guys to to get noticed if uh, if they're not traveling um so step up your game you fucks um also um more companies should allow their guys to do indies and more companies should allow their guys to do indies in very specific special um moments because i think like you remember when triple h showed up at icw and i know they had a working relationship but still it was very cool it was very big um jericho showing up at bola again excalibur AEW bola like it has a tie but and and don Callis was filming stuff apparently for AEW there but still i think it 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 connects you to fans in a way that you might not be able to on your own platform and i think that's cool and it invites people into your house um but anyway my shout out is to the team at gdq we were talking about it off the show they're doing their charity run um for the winter awesome games done quick where they raise money for prevent cancer and like dude in the past there was always this like thing where they were like oh controversy surrounding gdq did you know they charge two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to almost half a million dollars to run their their event and i'm like well yeah but they raise three million dollars every single time they do this and they donate the proceeds like so they're donating 2.5 million really uh, of the three million and have you ever tried to bring all these people together in one spot and all this technology and shit like it's not cheap um obviously people don't know like so basically like the charity buys the event games done quick and then they all the money they raise goes to the charity um but but for the last i would say two or three years they've either exceeded or come real close to three million dollars every single time they do it so they do one in the winter and one in the summer uh the summer one is for doctors without borders and this one's for prevent cancer so um if you like video games and you like watching retro games or like you know even current games being broken and speed run it's really it's a lot of fun um they also didn't go they had the venue this is long but they, they had a venue booked for florida this year um and they didn't go they chose to stay home for two reasons one the lack of uh covid protocol in florida they didn't feel comfortable bringing that amount of people into one spot without any sort of like vaccine or mask uh regulations and then three or i guess that's one two um they didn't feel comfortable with the don't say gay stuff in florida um they didn't agree with it yeah they didn't agree with it and they didn't uh they didn't feel like they could hold the event there with florida's anti-lgbtq legislation so they they pulled their event from florida so kudos for them for for standing up for it because you know florida sucks for that so all right yeah uh games on quick is awesome i I don't usually catch a lot of the live stuff, but I do watch it later on YouTube, and it's it's some really cool stuff. So definitely worth supporting as well. And they do some great work for some great charities. And we have done, hopefully, a great episode of 43.6 this week. We thank you for joining us for episode 38 of 43.6. Thanks to Maddie for stepping in while his uh, newborn child is probably hungry, and I, we appreciate him neglecting his child for an hour or so so we can talk about all sorts of things and we thank you for tuning in next week to episode 39 of 43.6 and we'll see you then